Product marketing for information technology services is a crucial aspect of any IT business. It involves effectively communicating the value and benefits of your services to potential customers, positioning them in the market, and ultimately driving sales. In this episode, we're diving into the future of IT and discussing the latest techniques and tactics for promoting cutting-edge products and services. From identifying target markets to crafting compelling messaging, we'll share insights and expert advice on how to effectively market the technology of tomorrow. So sit back, relax, and get ready to learn how to market the future of IT with strategies for success. Welcome, Demetrius. How are you doing today? I'm doing pretty well. How about yourself, Robin? Oh, it's a pleasure to talk to you. So before we get started, let's go on the journey. How did you get to where you are today? What's your career path? Ooh, okay. So my career path, it started about 20-something years ago. I'm not going to date myself, but it started a little more than 20 years ago as a uh, systems engineer. So I worked with a company called Extreme Networks. And then um, I moved on from Extreme Networks to a couple of startup companies that, that blew up <laughs> in a negative context. And then um, I moved on from um, uh, systems engineering to doing a bit of a product sales specialist. I did a little bit of business development and then uh, ended up starting with product marketing. And I started doing uh, product marketing when I was with uh, Juniper Networks and working out of Hong Kong. And then it just grew from there. You might say I found my home in product marketing and um, this is where I've been ever since. That's a great story. And with 20 or 20 plus, not going to date you, years of experience, you've probably seen how multiple companies have done product marketing or tried to technically market to the world. So from your experience, has product marketing been the same in every company? No, definitely not. You know, so um, in, in general, okay, so let's understand in general what product marketing encompasses, you know, so product marketing entails, you know, Thought leadership it entails you know, speaking events, evangelism, uh, strategic meetings with customers and partners, content creation. Um, it involves collaborating with uh, field marketing, corporate marketing, and uh, various different teams uh, uh, within the organization. I like to say that product marketers, we're kind of sort of the technology poets that we tell a story that helps connect or translate the technology of our products or solutions into a language and visuals that allows the customers to, to feel that this solution is what they've been waiting for all their lives to solve all of their IT issues. In creating uh, all of this content, we are trying to basically ensure that we are reaching and resonating the message to the desired audience and, and helping them feel that you know we are actually solving their core issues. And of course, if the messaging is not quite there, we are adjusting or adapting it as well too. Now, with some companies, some companies out there, they will actually define product marketing as a function that is solely responsible for demand gen or field marketing activities. And um, there's, in fact, there's a big well-known <laughs> company out there that it, it fits this picture perfectly. Then other company where they'll have product marketing as a, as a small subset of um, all the functions that I mentioned earlier. And they will take responsibilities like thought leadership, evangelism, um, strategic engagement customers, and they will limit that to just the field CISO or field uh, CTO. So product marketing in companies, it really varies and it really depends upon, you know, type of products that IT products that you have. It really depends upon, you know, also the size of the organization. And it really just depends upon, you know, like how you feel you can best 
take your product to market and, and, and bring it to your customers and, and make sure that you're, you're resonating with your target audience. I love that you mentioned that product marketing is different depending on the size of your organization. Because I know a lot of organizations might only have one or two people running their product marketing organization. And for a lot of companies, product marketing is seen as something that isn't directly tied to the revenue baseline. So how do you market an IT solution? How do you get the good work out there? I think you have to start off by not trying to tell the story of everything you do in one shot. Okay. Doing that, you start to sound like some of the, uh, the bigger unfocused tech companies that are out there. And there is one notorious one that their, their motto is, we got to tell, got to tell people about all of our stuff, you know, but we have to realize that, um, when it comes to product marketing, that there really is not a sweet spot per se of marketing because every technology company will approach it differently depending upon the type and the strength of the solution. You know, every one of us, you know, we want our customers to feel that um, and believe that only we can solve the problems the way that they're having in an efficient and effective manner. You know, but this is where the, uh, I think the differences are, are highlighted. Some will market their solutions as a, um, by creating a, a all-you-can-eat buffet menu of features that are included in their product and try to convince you that you need each and every last one of them. You know, otherwise you're not even solving the most basic problem. You know, this is common for a lot of uh, cybersecurity vendors, to be quite honest. And many of their customers will tell you that they don't use 80 to 90 percent of those features anyway, and they probably never will. Then there are companies out there that they'll try to market their products by comparing themselves to everybody out there, even the more irrelevant competitors. You know, it's, it's almost as if they're trying to convince themselves that they deserve airtime into space. And then there are organizations that are like Cato, that we market architecture instead of features and position a solution based upon a common set of use cases. Now, these use cases, they speak to common problems that most customers are trying to solve. And by marketing these solutions and speaking to those use cases, you know, we're able to have those customer conversations that begin sort of like with the bigger picture and help us zero in on a specific challenge that the customer is having, and then, you know, helping them work through that. What speaking to use cases also accomplishes is that it helps the customer, believe it or not, identify a challenge that they previously may have overlooked or just considered part of doing business. And I put those in air quotes. But now that they know that this is actually a problem and this problem actually has a solution, and there's actually a vendor who, who's able to connect to that problem and may have a solution for it, it now puts them in a different headspace, okay? And this is how, you know, the strong vendors with strong solutions are able to market their products by focusing on architecture and focusing on use cases um, that customers are, uh, the problems that customers are trying to solve. We avoid, you know, trying to get into this little, little feature comparison and give you this buffet menu because it really doesn't work for customers today. And that's really not what they're looking for. When you go to a buffet, everybody just runs towards the crab legs. They ignore the rice, they ignore the potatoes. They just want the good stuff. Because most of it is stale. <laughs> that's why. Absolutely. <laughs> but you need to have it. It's your baseline. You know, if your product can't handle networking, if you don't have rice, well, that's kind of things that are assumed to be there. 
Now, I like how you said that some of the problems can be solved by zooming out and looking at the bigger picture. Now, the way I see a lot of IT and technology is like a jigsaw. That the further out you zoom, the greater you have on the landscape. But sometimes jigsaw pieces are missing. So as a product marketing manager or PMM, how do you market the jigsaw pieces that don't exist yet? And why does PMM do that? Ooh. Okay, so I'll say the short answer with that is that when it comes to marketing features that don't exist, don't do it. Trying to do so, in my opinion, it will it will damage the company's credibility and it, it will perform lasting damage to its brand. But I think we, we might want to look at it from a different perspective and, and, and look at it as how do you create a market that doesn't exist? OK, and I think that might be the better question. And in this case, you're trying to market a product or solution instead of just the feature. And when you think about it, this is kind of sort of how uh, Sassy came about by defining the SASE market before SASE actually became something that people were talking about. Now, companies in this situation, they will create this market by understanding a problem or a set of problems that exist, but no other product or solution out there adequately solves or you feel it can be solved differently, more effectively, and more efficiently. We would then define you know, a, a series of use case scenarios of these common problems connect the shortcomings of the current technologies in solving these problems, and then present the customer with a better alternative. So in this case, we are, we are presenting sort of like a what-if story, as in what if you had a solution that did A, B, and C, and it solved your problems for D, E, and F? What would you think about this solution? Would you give it a try? And with the very first customer that says, Yes, I think I will give that a try. You've now just defined a market for your new solution. You know, so I think it, it's clear like how you frame the question, you know, not necessarily market a, a feature that doesn't exist, but how do you create a new market that does not yet exist? This makes PMM, product marketing management, more like storytellers than traditional marketeers. So if you're always adding new use cases or new solutions or new things that can be overcome with product enhancements, how do you build that brand narrative to resonate with that target audience without being disjointed from previous chapters of your story? Mm. The quick answer to that is you've got to bring value, you've got to solve problems, and you know, don't BS the customers or the market. You know, and that that's really all that uh, that customers want from us. And, you know, doing so will create, you know, that um, strong brand and have customers asking for you repeatedly. You know, of course, we have to realize that, you know, not all problems are easy to solve and not all problems actually have a timely solution. These are uh, extremely difficult ones. They are unique problems and they require a bit more thought and, and strategic planning behind it behind coming up with the solution, become coming up with the effective messaging and so forth. And this is where, you know, company teams, including product marketing, especially product marketing, can help bring that value because when we're spending all the time with the customers and the key customers and key partners, we're sometimes hearing about these unique challenges that um, that many of the, the uh, organizations are facing and, you know, with their current solutions or previous solutions that just may not have been an ideal fit for any of their common use cases. So 
by working collaboratively to help develop solution and then the associated messaging and positioning for that, we can help resonate, help this resonate with customers and help them realize that, okay, there's a different way to solve your unique challenges. And something else just popped into my head too. In creating a strong brand for an organization, you have to, how can I put this? You have to be true to yourself, okay? We have to constantly ask yourself, you know, that uh, that why question, as in like, why are you in this market, okay? Why are you trying to solve this problem? Why is it so important to you? Why is this type of customer the type of customer that you want to help? For example, a SASE company, which Cato is, they can go acquire a, a CRM company or a project management software company, but why would you? Is this who you are? You know, of course you wouldn't do that because you would dilute your focus and your resources. You know, so helping to maintain and create that strong brand narrative that resonates with your audience, it not only comes from, you know, being able to listen to the market and be and be thoughtful and strategic in in delivering the solutions and the messaging and stuff like that to the market, but it also comes with making sure you are being who you are in the market, staying true to yourself. And companies that know, you know, why they are doing certain things, they will always remain true to themselves and also have a, a, a very strong brand inside the market as well. I think it's important for an individual as well to not lose their own personal authenticity. Because far too many people end up becoming a mouthpiece just for the corporate narrative and lose sense of personal identity. So trying to keep that honest and true and being seen as a trusted advisor in the space is also a challenge and an important challenge. So out of that interest, in your role, what do you find most engaging and what do you find most challenging? I think what I find most engaging or what I like the most about my role is the fact that as a product marketer, you are, you're, you're touching so many different parts of the business in general. And with my particular role, I get to engage with so many different teams. You know, I get to engage with you, for example. I get to engage with the sales teams, um, the different marketing teams, the product management team. You know, I get to do I get to do a lot of things. And um, I think, but my my favorite thing, the most favorite thing that I love doing is being involved with all levels of content development and content creation. You know, from the tofu, mofu, bofu, so top of the funnel, middle of the funnel, and bottom of the funnel um, activities. I love to write, writing white papers, ebooks, blogs, and so forth. It's it's a lot of fun for me, and it's very easy for me to do. And, and, and like I said, I just really enjoy it. Um, also enjoy um, you know recording webinars and you know doing podcasts like this. What I'm doing with you here, you know. So these are some of the things that really I, I guess uh, bring out the fun in my product marketing role for me. And this is what I I, I just super enjoy, to be quite honest. The things that I find challenging is, uh, well, that's where you probably do a, a podcast in and of itself. I would probably say getting the messaging positioning perfectly perfect. Now, I jokingly say that I'm the world's most imperfect perfectionist. <laughs> so it doesn't matter whether it is a uh, strategic conversation with a customer or partner, or writing, developing content, um, public speaking, you name it, hitting the right message and trying to create that aha 
moment, that educational moment for a customer or partner or whomever the target audience is. That's important to me, to be quite honest. And there's really no sweet spot, you know, when it comes to um, to that, uh, to specifically marketing in general. You know, so try as, you know, I may, try as we may as product marketers to get it perfect all the time. You know, it's just not going to happen. And it's, it's not possible. Now, it doesn't mean that we as marketers should just give up on trying to make the perfect pitch or the perfect uh, set of content or or anything and just start throwing stuff out there and hoping that it sticks. But as long as we never stop trying to get it perfect, and maybe I should just say me and I put my perfection issues on everybody else, as long as I never stop trying to get it perfect. I never stop trying to do the right thing, you know, for the customers and, you know, with content and everything. I think that's what matters most. And I think um, our customers and those that we deal with on a daily basis, I think they really appreciate that. Sometimes you honestly do just have to throw stuff out at the wall and see what, what sticks. Sometimes writing a blog or a webinar or producing a webinar or doing a podcast it won't be perfect. And accepting imperfection is part of the journey to perfection. Because if everybody was perfect, there would be nowhere to improve, to imp to achieve, and to, nothing to strive for. But trying to find ways to improve is key. So say you record a podcast, or write a blog, or produce some materials for the top of the funnel. What data, what analytics, what lines of measurement should you use to both inform and improve the product marketing strategies to make sure that your next one is even better? How do you use numbers to make life better? Well, in, in general, the content and everything that we, that we are generating is, is based upon engagement. If we're getting the clicks, we're getting the um, call requests uh, from, from customers who are reading the content, if we're, if we're getting more uh, POC requests from um, from customers based upon um, the content that we're producing out there, then we know that we're being affected, that we're resonating with the market. We're getting more opportunities for a sales team, generating more leads for them. Then we understand that we are actually doing our jobs and we're, the material that we are creating is resonating. You know, so it really comes down to this, you know, data is everything and data analytics allows us as marketers to, um, you know, get a, a deeper insight into the, the type of content and understanding what type of content is actually working and whether it resonates with a certain you know customer demographic and and doing so it also allows us to be able to um that's the best way to work worst word to use here maybe to optimize the efforts that we're that we're putting forth in order to achieve a better, achieve a better roi for our efforts you know so our job at the end of the day as uh, product marketers is to position a product in order to drive that level of impact in the form of that, as I said before, that adoption and retention. We can't achieve this without data. And this is why it's so important. And data allows us to, um, to customize the content strategy that we have, you know, in, in anticipating some of the patterns that, uh, that, that our target market will have and identify some of these real opportunities. So it allows us to understand, you know, like, okay, so what are the customer's problems? What are their buying trends? What are their decision processes? You know, um, and a whole host of other key data points that allows us to adjust that messaging um, accordingly. And basically, when we do that, when we're using data to, to get this type of information and we are acting on this particular data, 
we are now basically speaking to their solution needs. We are incre- increasing and uh, that customer engagement. We are speaking to their needs, and we are trying to we are demonstrating to them that we are trying to actually solve their problems. And this is one of the advantages of using um, data analytics in, uh, in in marketing. And what about the things that aren't really data analytic driven? Things like thought leadership and thought marketing. No, it's becoming more and more prevalent across the entire IT, networking, and security landscape to not just see a vendor to purchase a solution from. Instead, you want to partner with that vendor, and you want to know that that vendor is delivering continuous improvement of networking services. They want to be seen as being an industry disruptor. So what would you suggest around that level of approach? Thought leadership, is that data-driven? Thought leadership is not really data-driven. It is more about expressing an idea or a series of ideas that, you know, demonstrate expertise in a particular specialty area or, or, or topic and, you know, imparting this knowledge in your, on, your, on your target audience, you know. And in order to stand out in a particular market using thought leadership, you have to, un- you have to start from the basics. And the basics really is know your audience and continue to learn about them. You know, so if you are looking to uh, impart knowledge on a bunch of C-level executives, okay, you have to um, you have to know more about them. Know what's their decision process. You know, how do they like to consume this information, okay? And by doing that, you're demonstrating um, that you are a thought leadership expert, okay? Um, another way of um, demonstrating thought leadership from a marketing perspective also is being very active on uh, social media. Okay, and bringing fresh new ideas, you know. So there are a lot of organizations that are they're constantly blogging, they're constantly putting stuff out there, but they're not necessarily new ideas. They're not necessarily engaging, not necessarily bringing customers and demonstrating kind of value to the customer in and of itself, you know. So it has to be active, but it has to be valuable, and that brings up to the next point that I have here: is that the content that we're putting out there as well, it has to not only demonstrate, you know, expertise in a specialty or area, but it also needs to be valuable content. It needs to be something that they can use. It needs to be something that they can connect with, that they can say, huh, I see this. I have this problem. You know, I think we can solve it using this way. So let's give this company a call and see what happens. Okay. See what the, if they can help us. Okay. So it has to be valuable, something the organizations can use. I think also um, the leadership from a marketing perspective we have to be omnipresent with the content that we have. So that means we have to be everywhere or sort of a variety of places and also delivering a variety of content as well. And this comes back to understanding your audience, which was the first point that I brought out. Understanding where your target audience likes to consume their material, they, their, that information, understanding what where their favorite watering holes are, and then being there always constantly with new, fresh ideas and fresh material that's going to continue to keep them engaged and that's going to eventually bring them to you to ask you to help them solve whatever kind of problems that they're encountering at that particular time. I think another thing with thought leadership is that you also have to be aware of what your competitors are doing. And you have to be aware of not just what they're doing, but also what they're saying about you. Okay, so staying up to date there and being in tune with this, it also helps you adjust how you actually communicate to your target audience as well, too, because guaranteed 
they're going after your target audience. So you need to be there and also countering that message and that, and that position that they have um, against you, against their, their uh, approach. And I think my final point would have to be, it goes back to something that I said earlier. You have to be who you are. Thought leadership, as I mentioned, it's about expressing ideas. It's about demonstrating your, your expertise in a particular area, different specialty. But, you know, you have to be upfront, honest, and genuine about where your specialty is and where your quote unquote um, capabilities and competencies are. And understanding that, knowing where you are, who you are, and why you are doing what you're, what you're doing, I think it's going to be something that um, the audiences out there are going to really truly appreciate. It's going to demonstrate that, yes, you are a thought leader in your field and that you are not just giving them stuff that they want to hear, but you're giving them stuff that they need to hear. And by giving them something they need to hear, it's going to resonate with them a lot more. And then you're going to remain in their mindset, in their psyches a lot longer as well, too. You know, so I think this is probably key for, um, for utilizing thought leadership and, uh, in marketing. Everybody you engage with, they want something from you. So you better just give them something that will be useful for them. If you could travel back in time and give a young Demetrius some advice, once again, on that topic of giving, what would you give him? <laughs> I would probably tell a young Demetrius to just do what you do. Don't worry about anything else. Focus in what you, what you love, be who you are, and then just let the chips fall where they may. You know, um, there's a time when you need to force it. There's a time when you just like sit back and just let the game come to you. Okay. Um, I would tell the younger Demetrius, understand when you need to do both. Okay. And then um, just enjoy the ride and, and, and enjoy a nice, wonderful career in product marketing. It was a pleasure chatting, Demetrius. Until next time. Thank you very much, Robin. <laughs>